Hello and welcome to Running on Joy with Francesca Goodwin, the podcast that celebrates putting one foot in front of the other in whatever form that takes. This is a podcast that explores how we can live in a more connected, creative and compassionate manner for the benefit of our communities, our planet and our own mental and physical health. I'm your host, Francesca Goodwin, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what joy means to them. Running on Joy is ad-free, but if you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to leave a review and give feedback wherever you listen to your podcasts. You might also consider supporting the work of Running on Joy guest Dan Lawson through rubbish shoes and rerun clothing to end the cycle of wastage in the sports clothing and footwear industries. Follow at Rubbish Shoes and at Rerun.Clothing on Instagram for further information. Everyone. My guest today is something of a mythic figure in the ultra distance running world, not least for his reputation for also being one of the nicest. They are perhaps most renowned for holding the record for running from Land's End to John O'Groats, but are also one of the UK's most prolific and respected long distance runners for their incredible podiums at the European 24 hour championships, placing second at the historic Spartathlon foot race, holding the course record for the 145 mile Grand Union Canal race, which I believe they still do as well as a record for the longest run on a treadmill, setting a fastest known time on the Jordan Trail, running a record-breaking distance in um, a 2019 six-day race in Hungary, and many more that I've probably missed out. Perhaps most importantly is their incredible advocacy and action with regards to overconsumption, waste, and exploitation in the running clothing industry. So, hello, and how would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> Oh, hi there. Yeah, God, you've made me sound really good. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we going to go from now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure I don't hold, still hold some of those records that you, uh, I think you've done me, uh, you've bigged me up too much uh, there. Um, oh, I don't think But yeah, so. hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Dan, yeah, basically. And, <laughs> yeah, I like to run a bit and also, yeah, um, the kind of co-founder of, of Rerun um, Clothing, which is a, like a community interest company kind of set up to campaign against, like, as you mentioned, like, overconsumption and overproduction in the, in the sports kind of fashion industry yeah thanks Dan it's really really great to have you on as I've, I said before we started recording I've, I've really wanted to chat to you because I think when I think of like the idea of running on joy like you're one of the people that kind of immediately springs to mind so hence kind of hounding you and, and pinning you down to have to have a conversation and just to kick us off um I wanted to share with you which is probably again going to make you blush but I, I make no 
apologies for it, um, share with both you and the listeners. It's a race report that I found on I Run Far from the 2015 Run the Ran race, which takes place on the far western edge of India. And it reads, Dan Lawson, an Englishman living in Goa, India, entered the race with little fanfare. His demeanor was calm, easygoing, and mysterious. Competitors were baffled when he showed up on race morning shirtless with a drawstring backpack across his chest and wearing a battered pair of Brooks Pure Connect road shoes. Dan was completely unfazed by any of the difficulties encountered in the race. He moved easily over the rough terrain, took very little water or food and completed the 100 plus miles in 24 hours, 6 minutes. Having fallen into a bog of sorts on the salt flats hours before, he crossed the finish line covered in mud, chatted with onlookers and quickly cleaned himself up for the long bus ride back to Goa. Now, I don't know if you remember that race, Dan, but the description kind of reminds me of things written about another legend of multi-day races, Al Howie, who I'm just reading, oh, I've just finished reading a book about him um, and his race across Canada um, in the record-breaking 72 days, 10 hours, 23 minutes. So I'm just kind of interested in what is, what's Dan Lawson's origin story? What was growing up and like family life like and, and how did running then come into that? Um, yeah, just go back to that. I do remember that race really well. Yeah, <laughs> if I'd have written the the, uh, the like the blog or whatever about it, it probably wouldn't have sounded quite like that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that, that was from an outsider's point of view. It was quite hard that race, and it was quite. Uh, yeah, it was really quite frustrating at times, and then yeah, I don't know about gliding over the terrain. It was just, it was like thorn bushes everywhere, and you, I was, yeah, I was, I was cut up like I've never been. I was just scratched from head to toe, like from going through these thorn bushes, and I, that bit about cleaning yourself up. I remember going to the shower, like going to the shower in the middle of the salt desert. To, to clean myself up and obviously they had no water the only water they had was salt water and oh, I had a salt water shower with all these um, like cuts all over me oh my god I've never been in so much pain yeah. oh that sounds um, like another so, level <laughs> he, the, the chap who wrote that I don't know who was but yeah he's, he's made it sound a lot yeah a lot a lot more of a joyful experience than it actually was but um, yeah there were some beautiful moments I do remember some beautiful moments but um, what my origin story, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I just, I ran a lot when I was younger. Actually, we were having this conversation earlier, just before you started recording about seals, weren't we? Yeah, we were. And actually, there's a connection, yeah. We were, we were, yeah, we run a race together, yeah, where we had to leapfrog seals, yeah. But um, it was particularly special for me to see seals because... The reason I got into running is because I, I was kind of like obsessed with seals when I was younger. This is going somewhere. Trust me, yeah? <laughs> okay, okay. And, um, <laughs> I, I had this adopted seal from the Cornish Seal Sanctuary, so I used to, I just used to run like every other weekend and like raise money to send um, to the seal sanctuary to send for its fish or whatever, for its food. So that's how I, that is my kind of, yeah, that's how I got into running. I just started running like local 10Ks and stuff. And like, I must have been, I don't know, like 10 or something. And But I started like doing okay in them. Like I'd finished quite high up, even like at 10, like against adults and stuff. So... 
yeah, that's that's kind of how I got into it, basically. I just, I just, uh, I enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? I found something I enjoyed doing, so I just kind of, I kind of carried on doing it. Like a little bit of a gap uh, in my teenage years and early twenties when I was busy doing other things that weren't kind of like running wasn't conducive. I like, didn't really work with them. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone does in their teenage years. And, yeah. And then yeah, then I just came back to it. Like uh, I don't know, like in my thirties, you know, and and kind of found that oh, so I want like that peace and that like that meditative practice you know that that, that it is running I, I kind of found found that in running in later life and just uh, haven't haven't stopped since basically that is I, and I, I want to go into that that is amazing about the seal story though I just I didn't expect that and also I know I know that seal sanctuary because I used to spend all of my childhood like basically in Cornwall and that was it and I and I, I was always banging on my parents at kind of you know giving money to the seal sanctuary and stuff and I should have just I should have done what you did and started running and raising money for the seals um but that that's just I love that that's great um and the fact that then we ran ran over the seals together that's, yeah, that's, really that's awesome. why it was so wonderful for me to see these yeah on that race to see these seals we were saying it was quite a quite a bleak night we ran through the night didn't we on the Norfolk coastal path but yeah the seals were oh it was just wonderful when we ran past all these that's so close to the yeah, like literally had to jump over them. Yeah, yeah. So pretty... seals were a beacon of hope, I think. And yeah. and then so like coming from those that running at ten and then kind of moving away from it. I know. Did you do you, you did quite a bit of football, didn't you? In between, am I right with that? You were more. Yeah, football? yeah. Then I got into yeah football. Football was like a big part of my life. I was playing it a lot. I was I was actually it was my full time job. I was I was coaching uh, football as well and yeah like really enjoying it really enjoying that kind of team sports camaraderie and all of that but it got I I got I just got bored of football I don't know it was um it was there's so much that back chat and kind of ego in football and I I started I started running again um, towards the end of my when I kind of fell out of love of, of playing football and it was just such a completely different discipline it was just so oh, it was so nice to run again and just be like on my own and just kind of be at peace and like I don't know, like feel the silence and running in nature and it was so different to that kind of ego centered like um, football environment so yeah I just kind of gave up football and, and just started running yeah much preferred it and were you immediately because I guess that kind of answers the question of, of quite a lot about what what running kind of brings you because you were were you immediately drawn to these kind of really long and for want of a better word kind of very pure races that you then that you've been taking part in um I don't know, like, I think I just kind of fell into the world of ultra running. Again, it was, um, so I was raising money for this little football project I started in in Goa, in India. Mm -hmm. And so I just said, I found this race, this 50-mile race, and, um, yeah, I, 
I was raising money for that and I said, well, I'll do this 50 mile race. And I didn't really know anything about it. I hadn't even run a marathon before uh, the 50 mile race. So I, I, kind of, I lined up at the start and um, I didn't really know where I was going. It was a map one and I had no idea uh, where I was going. So I just followed um, some blokes who told me they knew the way and they, they wrecked it and stuff. And it just so happened those blokes were, they were like the leaders. So, yeah, I, I came second in that race, like the first one I'd ever, I'd ever done. And then I kind of just carried on. Yeah, I don't know. So it was, yeah, I kind of just, yeah, like fell into it really. Yeah. That's amazing. And what, what took you to India? Because you spent a lot of time there, haven't you? And you still spend time there, don't you? Uh, yeah, like mainly the sunshine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't really like winter in 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 the UK. Um, so we we'd mainly go. We spent a couple of years. I lived there for a couple of years, and then we'd go back in the winter. But also, it's such a. I don't know if you've been to India. No, I haven't. No, no. It's just a really special place in terms like I like it's very spiritual and the way that everyone talks is is so different than the way and the way people think is so different to here. Like everyone's thinking is based on that kind of like spirituality and, and and belief that you know anything can happen, you know. Like sometimes I think our thinking in this country is kind of like we're kind of stuck in a box a little bit, you know, and we, we don't but there's a saying that anything, anything can, that anything's possible in India, and it's. I think it's the way people think out there. Well, I really like it. It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a different, a different way. Yeah, I do love this country, but I do like that that the way people think out in India. And is it that kind of approach and that sort of almost kind of flow state that you find in your running? Yeah. Um, well, running brings for me, like, the racing's great and, like, you know, the little challenges are great. They're, 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 they're fun. But, um, yeah, like, the most important for me thing for running for me is just, like, um, it's just that peace it brings you, do you know what I mean? That kind of clear head it brings me every morning. And it's, it's, um, it, yeah, it's, it's really important for me. I, I can't. I mean, running is like, it's it's a great thing for me, but also it is a bit of a, I don't know if it's an addiction or something, I, I kind of need that headspace every day, do you know what I mean? And so yeah. I need that kind of hour, you know, two hour long meditation every day, just like, just calms me down, you know, and sets off the day beautifully. Like, even if I, even if I don't, if I run in the afternoon, I don't feel as calm in the day because I haven't been out for you know that kind of headspace run in the in the morning. So yeah, I, it's it's an important part of my life, and uh, yeah, the, the the racing's good, but um, I'd give up the racing um, like tomorrow if it meant that I could carry on running like. Until I until I die, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. And I was I was going to ask actually, kind of what what then does does competition mean to you? Yeah, I think 
Like, <laughs> I think the best thing about competition <laughs> for me is it it justifies uh, like it justifies the amount of time I spend uh, running. You know, <laughs> like in, so I can call it training you know i can call my running training when really it's like it's more like just uh i don't know if you call it selfish but it's like a it's like my time on my own do you know what i mean and my kind of um you know it's my time to disconnect from from the world from you know all different things like so if i'm if i say i'm like if I'm, I've got a race in a few months, and I say I'm going out training. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's acceptable. I can, I can miss a bit of time at, at rerun because I've got to go out training, or yeah. uh, Charlotte can go and pick up our granddaughter rather than me because I've got to go out training. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, I can use it for that. Yeah, it 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 justifies the running absolutely. Yeah. Um, what was the first 24-hour race like that you ever did? The first 24-hour run? Yeah. Um, I did do one. The first kind of proper one I did was at Gloucester. Yeah. Um, but I did do one before that. I did do one of those. I remember going up with my mum. My mum... Um, like I did do one of those 10k ones, you know, that you just go around. I think it was like a thunder, like what are they called, like a thunder run or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did do. I did do one of those 10k ones round and round, and I think maybe that was the first time. I think I ran a hundred, just just over a hundred miles uh, that day, and it was the first time I'd I'd run a hundred miles. It was quite a nice. It felt like quite a a nice achievement yeah but actually the, the first kind of proper 24 hours i did you know like a track or a, like a looped uh one mile one was in gloucester yeah and i didn't really know anything about i didn't even know it was a thing um and yeah i turned up and yeah like did everything wrong but managed to survive like I went out <laughs> way too fast because I'd never run on a track before either so I was running on this track and all of a sudden it felt really bouncy and like uh and fun do you know what I mean I think I did the first marathon in like like under three hours sort of thing and kind oh of goodness. carried on that pace and then had a really like hideous like last six hours but managed to managed to finish and managed to like uh, qualify for like get a good enough distance to qualify for the for the GB team I think on, on that one that's a pretty awesome hanging on <laughs> well, it was hanging on it was honestly yeah. <laughs> but then you kept, then you kept going back for more after that no so I was signed up to do Gloucester this summer but um I've got dodgy arthritis and it flared up so I was pretty oh, I was no. pretty gutted it was the same one that Robbie was going to be what yeah, Rob did it was right. really hot wasn't it I was there watching Robbie yeah yeah was, so you would have thrived <laughs> you would have thrived but I'm not I, I was kind of like secretly one of those things where I was like oh damn like I can't do it but I might have got fried <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's such a. I talk about it a lot, but I think that, that I've got such a love hate relationship with that race. It's just for me, it's like the ultimate 
ultra race, the kind of track, or like small loops, 24 hours. It's just like it should be so easy, but it's so hard. Yeah. And it's really, really hard to be like consistent at it as well. And it's just like it's so much more, I think, of any ultras, like a mental challenge than, than anything else. So, yeah, I just keep going back to them. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's something about that race that kind of draws you, that draws you back in. Do you know what I mean? You can't, you can't kind of walk away from it. You, you always want to go back and try another one. You know? Yeah, there's definitely the siren song there for me. I think there's, uh, I, I would definitely like a crack at it. I think it's that sort yeah. of that meditative thing as well. I quite like running on a track and and just mm-hmm. keeping going. But yeah, we'll see see what I say. Like. Maybe that's the thing that's uh, that yeah the med the meditative thing is such a because that's the aim isn't it to get in that state like it should be it's not that it should be but like if you can get into that kind of meditative state for like five six seven eight hours then then the whole thing should just kind of it should be a, a beautiful experience and it and it also it should. It should go quickly as well, but it's. I think that's the thing that pulls me back all the time because it's so hard to get into that meditative state because you you're just constantly your 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 mind is just on it constantly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Trying to get you to trying to get you to stop. So it's. I think. Yeah, that's what that's what brings me back because one day you'll just have twenty four hours of just pure bliss and and joy and like floating I don't know up in Narnia you know but uh, <laughs> maybe that's what I just yeah I'm just searching for that that perfect so there's one chap you know William Sitchell you know William William Sitchell no I haven't heard of him he's, he's... so he's he's quite he's maybe he's like 65 70 now but yeah he really treats those 24 hours 48 hours six day races as a as a kind of yeah, like a Vipassana or like a meditation, you know. He doesn't doesn't really talk, doesn't really... Yeah, and I think he's... Yeah, he's got numerous kind of age group records. Uh, he's, he's an interesting one to watch. Yeah, he's, he's kind of there with it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. With, with that side of it, yeah. I'll look him up because you... Did you do a Vipassana? I, I'm thinking, I think you made a, maybe said to James on, on your guy's podcast, did you do a Vipassana before the no, marathon No, I was or supposed to do it last year and then... Um, the the uh, lockdown stopped it basically, so I couldn't I couldn't go. Yeah, uh, okay. and then and then oh, I'd still really like to do one. Yeah, I think it would be. I think yeah, the really hard thing for me would be sitting uh like sitting still. Yeah, it would be um yeah, I'd find I think I'd find that like incredibly hard. Cause you're not really allowed to move around at all are you on the on the passioner so um but yeah i'm up for the challenge definitely i will i will definitely do one uh soon yeah i think it would be incredible i mean just the experience of it would be incredible in itself but in terms of mental training as well you're talking about kind of like (laughs) excusing things that you're doing for yourself by calling it training i think that would be the ultimate (laughs) <laughs> like 24 yeah. hour 48 hour t- training wouldn't it yeah. <laughs> definitely and I think because yeah and I, I like moving as well so it, I think it's easier I think when you talk about that 
like meditative state and running. I think it's easy. I think the movement gets you to that state quicker. Like it, it kind of propels you to that to that state, you know, like if you sat down kind of like cross-legged or whatever in a lotus position and, and tried to try to clear your head without that movement, it's much, much harder, you know, but yeah. I think, yeah, I think when you move, when you're, when it's such a natural movement, I don't know, something happens, I don't know what it is, something happens inside your body which catapults you like further up into that kind of clear mind I don't know if you feel the same yeah absolutely um I've been thinking about this recently like in terms of kind of also feelings of sort of gratitude and joy that you have when you're running and I think there is quite a lot of studies into like how conscious breathing and movement do enhance that so yeah I'm totally with you on that I just like the feeling of you know the body moving across the ground and just that kind of connectedness that you get there's something I've sort of read something about it. Something about when you're you're at a certain cadence or something, and that and that in turn kind of sinks in with your breathing and sinks in with your heartbeat or something. And you, when you get to that point, that's that's when you kind of yeah cat, yeah like catapulted a little bit into that kind of yeah that that kind of zone yeah your body likes it doesn't it running do you know what I mean do you not yeah. find that there's a certain there's a certain pace where it's not too hard and it's not too easy but when everything seems to like like click in your in your body that's what I find and that's when you kind of I suppose that's when they talk about that the flow state sort of thing where everything's you're singing the same song as the, as the universe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. It's like that kind of feeling of, oh, this is what we were built to do. Like, our ancestors have done this before. And I think that's also what kind of attracts me. I don't know about you, to those kind of, to that 24-hour format and some of the older races. It's that kind of connectedness to what people have done before. And, like, it's so simple and you just move. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, it doesn't. I think if there's a point to your run, I think it, I I feel that kind of flow a lot more. Do you know what I mean, even if you're running from you know wherever, like the top of Norfolk to the bottom of Norfolk, it seems like there's a point to it. Yeah. yeah or yeah, if yeah. you were like ancient, like years ago, if you were chasing after, I don't know, like a gazelle, so it fell down, or if you were like like delivering a, I don't know, like a, a message or something across hundreds of miles. But, yeah, that's why the 24 hours are so hard because in your, like, you can't quite work out what the point to what you're doing is. You know what I mean? You're just running round and round a, a track and it's really, it's really hard to, uh, it seems like it's really hard for your head to understand what, why you're doing this, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, that actually brings me on to, so thinking about, like, why we do things. What was the why behind uh, running down the A9? <laughs> From the transition yeah. between running in circles and then and then running down the A9 <laughs> on the load jog. <laughs> yeah, it was the why between the A9 was simply because that was the... Uh, that was the quickest, <laughs> it's the quickest way to go, yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, yeah, so the aim is obviously to run 
from the top of countries to the bottom or whichever way around I did it like as quickly as possible so you take the the quickest route and actually like it was hideous that road it really was but um I suppose that connected to what I just said like it wasn't uh it was never a problem like I never thought about how dangerous it was or how because it was really it was really simple this is the quickest way to get there so this is what I've this is the way I've got to go you know what I mean so um yeah in a, in a funny way um I kind of I quite like uh, dual carriageway running right. <laughs> so Dan can we can it's, we just um, go back on that one can we take that as you like dual carriageway running <laughs> like, yeah it's, it's made me very uh, I notice when I run with other people near on roads on I'm a lot more reckless than everyone else I'm a lot like it really yeah I'm so used to like massive juggernauts like passing you like literally less than a, I don't know like three quarters of a metre away from you that you just you kind of uh yeah, get used to it. <laughs> and you did it, but, I mean, you did it twice as well, didn't you? Because one of the things that, I mean, I chatted to Damien Hall about a bit about this as well, this idea of that you failed on the first attempt, but then in terms of actually getting the record, but then you you built both your mind and your body back up to co- even consider the prospect of tackling it again and then succeeding. So can you just talk me through kind of, like your relationship with that failure and kind of what you learned from it and then and then how you how you made this this comeback with the job um yeah i don't, i think for me i think especially with our sport like ultra running because it is such a mental it is such a mental game and it really comes down to doesn't it like how how much you really want it you know when, when you that failure is it, failure for me is like really important it's it's so it's and I think like yeah like DNFs in races or races that don't go well they're, they're, they're I'm really like grateful for them like like straight afterwards I'm gutted um you know I really want it to go well the first time I really want everything to be perfect but you realize like two or three weeks afterwards that that phase is so important because it it gives you a it drives you on well it drives me on anyway so if I fail doing something I know that when I go back the second time I'm like stronger mentally like I, I really you know I want to do this I want to see this through sort of thing so yeah I learn. I think in ultra running you you don't necessarily learn more from your failures but it gives you a, a stronger determination for, for next time you run like you can't get it right every single time and you can't have the perfect race every single time so you kind of need you need a couple of shit shows or like bad ones and then and then you you build that fire kind of inside you that determination inside you to to um 
to succeed, basically. So I think it's really important to fail. You, you, it's it's part of the sport. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I mean with all of the things that you do, I I feel that you really embody that idea of kind of relentless <laughs> forward motion. And I guess what you're saying is that kind of like everything that happens then goes into into feeding that that forward progress and how is it that you kind of when you're doing these things how is it that you mentally and physically keep going is there like things that you say to yourself or is it just a case of just keep moving yeah I, I, I listen to this actually I really um I really like this uh thing that I heard um a while ago uh, I can't remember what ultra runner said it but it really it really makes sense and it really resonates when when I'm running that um that it's really important like to not listen in the middle of a race like don't pay any attention to your current self because mm. you you come up with all these like like your your that the, the person you are or your thoughts in that moment you come up with all these ideas, don't you, to stop and, oh, you know, I'm tired, I might just walk or I'll just sit down here or, oh, my stomach's not well, you know, maybe I should I should stop for a bit. So your, your current self has all these things, but try to project yourself forward and just, like, all the decisions you make, make them from your future self, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because you, like, you just listen to your future self because your future self will be saying, Oh come on, man! You're not, you know, you're not that tired. You're all right. You're just, you know, you've been running for eighty miles. You know, your legs hurt. It's as simple as that. Just, you know, just grit your teeth and just, just keep running, and everything will be all right. So you try and, yeah, try and let the decisions you make be made by your future self rather than your, your kind of in the moment self that makes sense yeah absolutely I I love that I'm gonna I'm gonna take that I think because it's it's also that kind of so projecting yourself forward you can then you can see that moment and connect to it Um, and that feeling of continuity you can even project yourself back as well because you're you're like past self will always like before a race you always back yourself don't you you're like all right this is gonna be all right i'm gonna be strong when like you have that kind of self-talk like all right when it gets hard yeah i'm just gonna you know i'm just gonna keep on going i'm only and so you you have that kind of self-talk before so you can listen to your like before self or your future self but just don't listen to that don't listen to that voice in your your current self because it's never it's never saying the right things never ever ever yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) I also got from so I rewatched um Dave McFarlane's uh Breaking 10 film um which is available to stream on Vimeo and I I recommend that everyone does but I think watching that again it really did bring out um particularly in the case of sort of Charlotte and Robbie Britton that there was a real team effort that went into that and their relationship with you and reading you and their support of you. What did their involvement mean for you on, on that? Oh, effort? man, it's, like, it's everything, yeah. Like, I can't... Yeah, I'm so lucky to have such a brilliant, like, team and just friends and just people I really love around me, you know? Like, um, yeah, the, the jog... Um, Charlotte was there, Robbie was there, 
Mick was there, Richard Brown was there, and it just, it, I mean, you can't, ultra running is not, it seems on the face, doesn't it, it's a solitary sport, it's just, a, you're just running on your own, but it really isn't, you know, it's, um, yeah, you have to have a really great team around you, and, uh, and, and people that really, I'm so lucky that, uh, Robbie, Charlotte, Mick, they, they just, they know me as well, you know, it's yeah. almost like, it's almost like you don't have to say things, they can just sense my energy, when my energy changes, and they can, they can work things out from that, so they know if I, like, Robbie or Charlotte, they'll know if, when I'm running the jog, whether I need someone running with me, but they'll also know when just to leave me alone and just not like not really even talk to me just sort of so just just those little things uh, and it makes yeah it makes such a difference what um Robbie described the crew as and I think it's right is they're they're enablers they just enable me to do what I really love doing so all all they just enable me to run. That's all I need to do. I don't need to think about anything else. I just run. And, yeah, and they do that so well for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think the sense that I get is just like, well, it's sort of pragmatic love, really, just so much love that you see in that film. And there's one, I mean, it had me in tears, like the moment when you when you meet with your mum and your face cracks and you just see like this emotion spilling over and it's like you say quite often with kind of racing and and things like this you think of like the figures and the distances but also like the most important thing is there's this human being also having a very human experience and I was just wondering like what is going through your mind at that moment on that journey when you meet your mum and it's just this but the first time you see, like, you kind of really quite break down with emotion. Yeah, no, don't, you'll make me well up I'm now. Sorry. Yeah, Are you I happy to see I think that's one of the, another beautiful thing about our sport is, or just what we do is, like, um, I always say it's like, you're a bit like an onion, and the more, the kind of longer you go, the more effort you put in on those on those kind of races, those challenges or whatever, you, like you're just peeling off layers of yourself, and you you get right down to that kind of raw kind of like there's no yeah there's no kind of ego left. There's no there's not even any I don't know like false kind of barriers you put up or kind of you're just down to your true self do you know what I mean and, and sometimes yeah you're down to your like raw emotions as well so it's very I'm terrible I like yeah I start crying all the time after I've gone over a certain distance it's just um but yeah I, I kind of like that it just puts you really yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing there to stop you welling up. There's no. There's nothing there to say. Oh, I shouldn't be feeling emotion now because you don't really have the energy to do that. So you just. You just feel. You know, like it's. Um, yeah, you just feel. Yeah, it's like being a child again, really, isn't it? But like one that's very able and like moving forwards. But there's that kind of very raw, like no filter. 
things. Uh-huh, exactly, yeah, yeah, you've nailed that, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say that able. Okay. <laughs> I don't feel that able. A staggering one, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah, it's just, yeah, you're right. It's like me when I watch my granddaughter, how, yeah, one minute, yeah, she'll be really happy one minute and then, like, something happens and she's just really upset, yeah. And then two seconds, like, 30 seconds later, she's back. She's forgotten about it and she's all right again. Yeah, it is that kind of, yeah, like, your soul's open, do you know what I mean? Like, it's um, it's not protected. It's, like, it's open. And I think it's open to, for your emotions to let out, but also it's you're really open to, like, you can feel, like, when you talk about the um, support crew like you can feel that love and that that care that you can really sense it and it's a really beautiful like it's a really beautiful thing and um yeah so you're 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 open both ways yeah you know to receive and to kind of let your emotions out and do you think that's also because I know um with like the 48 hour for example that you did earlier this year like does that also affect kind of when do you know to stop? Like, I know that you stopped in the 48 hour, but you, you, it must be really difficult to pull the plug on something where you've both got your crew and then also you are sort of feeling all these things. And, and then when you stop, what is that? What's that process like? Yes, I mean... Like every ultra race I've ever done, and I've ever like like we're saying, I've failed. I mean, failed out. I haven't completed what I want to do. Um, yeah, I've, like I say, I've just listened too much to that to um, your kind of current self, your in the moment self. So, in the moment, because you've started listening to that voice too much, when you stop, um, you actually feel like relief you know relief okay right i've done the right thing here yeah um you know it was i couldn't carry on but literally half an hour later once you yeah once you get back or once you're just thinking to yourself you're back into your like kind of future self and you're like oh my god like why did i do that you know <laughs> why did i stop i could have carried on i could have like i mean you like any not any injury but any uh, the way I believe like in my experience like any kind of stomach issue any kind of like little niggle injury I've had in in any ultra when I've stopped if I was strong enough mentally I could have carried on like it's only your mind that that stops you and yeah in the moment you just let that you let that talk get too loud you know and you listen to it but yeah, always afterwards you you say to yourself, like, why, oh, my God, why did I listen to myself, you know? I, I could have carried on. But then, like I say, that then kind of it stokes the fire inside you for next time. You're, like, more determined. You're more – it builds that stronger mentality that, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to those voices this time I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna carry on I'm gonna be relentless in my forward motion so yeah 
And is that what, is that what happened? Because I know when I when I contacted you a few weeks ago, it was when you you bounced back and you had this absolutely cracking twenty four hour championships performance um, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and is that is that the kind of the forward motion? Is that what got you onto that onto that starting line after the forty eight hour hadn't quite gone to plan? Was it that sort of drive and fire that then got you lining up again? Oh, yeah, I'm always going to line up, yeah. Like, um, uh, yeah, but it helps, yeah, it definitely helps, yeah. Yeah, you, you, like I say, you learn, don't you? You you, you say to yourself, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to drop out like that again. And you, um, yeah, you, you, when you get to that situation again, and there were, obviously there's always times in it, even though a 24 hour looks like it might have gone well, there's always those times in your head when you're, you know, when you're contemplating, oh, I'm just going to slow down, I just want to rest for a bit sort of thing. So, yeah, it just, yeah, it does, it does help. And also, um, I must mention that Robbie Britton, who coaches me, did have me in like a good, physically I was, I felt good as well, you know, so that, that always, that always helps. But, um, yeah, I was determined, and I, I think the last 24-hour I did, which was a few years ago, because there haven't been many 24-hour races for a while, didn't go particularly well as well. I think my last hour, I was, um, yeah, I wasn't in a good way. So, yeah, that that kind of fueled that desire to make sure this one, you know, went well as well. Yeah, I was going to say, for someone, you're someone who obviously pushes themselves to the limits, but are also in touch with your body. And how do you kind of do get that balance between respect of yourself and recovery while also essentially totally fucking it up? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I do. <laughs> I think I'd be lying if I said that I, I did. And I've, like, I have, um, like, I, Although, um, like a lot of me, I really, I just, I love, like when we talk about that meditative side of running and that kind of joy it brings you, I do also like, like really hurting myself as well. And like I've said it before, I said it to Damien, like it is, it's like a, it is basically a form of like acceptable self-harm in, in society because that's essentially what we're, what we're doing and I do I do quite like that feeling of a uh like a broken body you know like for the week for you know the day after a week after an ultra but I don't know why but maybe that's a something I need to talk to a therapist about but um <laughs> yeah but I don't I don't think I do look after my body that well in terms of and I will start running with a broken body as well like like straight after but um yeah yeah maybe we'll we'll move on to to brighter things and just just going back to the positives of the 24 hours that um that you ran you came fourth didn't you was it fourth overall uh, fifth, fifth. Yes, fifth that was it yeah fifth, i was yeah. following your dot and that kind of weird live stream where you see people running past every kind of <laughs> every so yeah. often and then another one and what was what was it like there it seemed like the kind of atmosphere was quite electric and with um, a Sorokin breaking his own world record. What was the experience like? Yeah, it was, I just yeah, it was great. I mean, it's just uh, it's funny when you're in twenty four because you you Alexander um, Sorokin 
like you're in the race with him, but then you're kind of you are just in your own personal race as well. Like until the last kind of hour or so or two hours when you're you might be chasing someone down or something. But the thing, I mean, I really love those twenty four hour championships because for me it's like uh, oh, it's just I mean I've been I've been a loads, but maybe I've been to five or six now and it's just a real lovely reunion of like ultra like ultra runners so the european one's great and then the world one's even better because you just see like friends you know and and the best thing about the 24-hour runs is you're you're constantly seeing everyone you know it's it's not like you go off on a trail race and you don't see anyone for for 20 hours Mm. like you're there was so there was like free switchbacks so you're just you're always kind of like seeing people like cheering people on high-fiving people and it yeah it is it's such a it's such a nice atmosphere isn't it i mean yeah ultra runners are great people aren't they i don't think i've ever met a, met one that isn't so it's just really it's just really nice to to be out there and kind of like cheering egging each other on sort of thing like all, all of your kind of friends from from all over the world yeah it's like a real pleasure real uh, yeah grateful to to be there sort of thing and do you see kind of like where do you see the future of kind of 24 hour and multi-day racing because it is it is quite a niche of a niche isn't it <laughs> it is yeah it's a massive niche yeah, i always yeah i always um like reminding everyone of that as well when we're running it as well. <laughs> this is super niche. <laughs> I mean, and like, um, I don't know. I mean, it's amazing. The, the future of sport is amazing. Like the is like the leap that the sport has made in the last few years is um, is crazy. But I think like it's just not sexy, is it? It's not like trail running. You can see like how that's really attractive to watch and how it's kind of like you get your superstars, but running around a one kilometre loop in like the I don't know, the dead end one of the dead end ghettos of Verona with like <laughs> like tipped old mattresses and like uh, around. It's just not it's just not as um it's just not as sexy. So I don't know where but the, actually the, the good thing is about this the 24-hour running sport is that alexander has he's pushed it a bit like a bit more into the uh, mainstream like i was just working at the london marathon expo and lots of people i spoke to knew about that race in verona because they'd read about alex's um uh, his feet, you know, and, and the world record. So maybe it will get, um, I don't know, maybe it will get a bit more uh, press or a bit more, what's the word, like notoriety. Because Alex Oregon is, he's got to be like the greatest, if not one of the three, I don't know, greatest athletes at the moment on on this world. I mean, he's, he's amazing, yeah. I and mean, he doesn't really get the uh, kudos he deserves, you know. Like, he's, he's phenomenal. I mean, what, what an athlete, you know. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is sort of out of, it is out of this world, really, and completely yeah. unbelievable. Um, I, I mean, I'm just, I just don't begin to understand how, how he does it, but. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, which is really the thing is, I've seen him do it so many times now that it's just normal as well. So it's just, it's not like it's not, it's not mind blowing anymore. It's just normal, and 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 I think that's the same. I think that's what helps that and the the like carbon plated shoes. But I think that's what helps progress the twenty four hour running sport because everyone who runs with Alex or watches him, it just seems normal now. So. Um, those distances seem achievable, you know, like to someone else, or, or, or not his distances, but you know, three hundred k seems achievable now because because Alex just makes it look so normal. So, yeah. But then I also I love that you're such a champion of like people like Richard Brown and Sandra Brown, and they're you know who because Richard held the record before you for the jog, didn't he? Um, and there's also this just kind of this lineage of of those long distances and that kind of grit and resilience. Um, and a lot of that is also kind of the, the multi-day with the walking as well. And actually, I really like that you're a champion of, of that heritage. <laughs> yeah, well, there's so many great athletes from that kind of era um, in ultra running. And, and like much, much better athletes than, than we are today. Like we have, we have so much help in terms of like, shoes uh you know like lightweight kit and um uh nutrition like crazy nutrition that, that we can take and and richard and don richie and sandra and you know hillary walker and like all all of these athletes they would their distances aren't too dissimilar to what we're doing today and they were doing it in like Dunlop green flashes and eating a cheese sandwich. I mean, it's like they really are, yeah, like amazing, amazing athletes and uh, ultra running. Back, you know, like the eighties, nineties. Yeah, we we had we had so many great athletes. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and they're brilliant, and they're still so involved in the sport as well. You know, and they're still and they give back so much so much to the sport that it's um it's just brilliant yeah it's really awesome and i'm also glad that you kind of brought it back to this kind of this this sort of strip back style of racing because i just wanted to if you've got time just to kind of do a plug for rerun and what it's about um and the kind of messages that you want people to take away from it so yeah yeah, me and Charlotte have been, and our daughter Ruby, we've been running, running rerun now for <laughs> like I think like five years or so, and it, it like it's a it's a long story, but it just came about from us wanting to uh, promote, you know, like rather than being sponsored by a clothing company, we wanted to like promote. I don't know, like a, a better way of rather than just hawking someone else's clothes, we wanted to promote a better message and uh yeah and we've so basically yeah what we campaign against is basically fast fashion within the kind of functional running industry like running clothes should just be for running and we should just use them like functionally like use trainers until we really can't use them anymore, like use a t-shirt until it doesn't function as a running t-shirt anymore, not just because the colour doesn't look so good or it's um, or there's a tiny stain on the front. So, yeah, we try to, uh, yeah, campaign against people to make their clothes last longer because 
by making your clothes last longer, you have the power to make that bit of clothing like sustainable. Like you can buy like a like the most unsustainable bit of kit from I don't know Nike or whatever, and it, the power's yours to make it sustainable. Because if you can make a t-shirt last for fifteen years, twenty years, then it becomes like the most sustainable bit of kit there is because it's um yeah it, it yeah um so yeah that's that's what we that's what we campaign for make your clothes last basically if they're broken if they if there's a hole in them like sew it up if there's a hole on your trainers like fix it up and uh yeah try not to uh try not to over consume and then if they do need and are you still running your online shop as well if people obviously well, the key we, message is we don't are, buy but we're just but... about actually as as like today I've, i mean we're we've, we've had to move our plan was only to be open for five years for rerun anyway mm-hmm. so and what we've learned um so we we take a lot of people's unwanted running clothes and then we we'd sell them on uh, like secondhand, or we um, we take them to places that need them, you know, like refugees or uh, not as many homeless charities, more like refugees. Um, but what we found is while we were taking people's unwanted running clothes, we're kind of just another cog in the in the machine because we're taking unwanted running clothes off people that they're perfectly fine. Like we're almost condoning. Uh, buy something, wear it for a year, give it to us, buy something new. Yeah. So we stop like we're completely stopping that side of it because we if we if we want to be truly aligned with our message of like make your clothes last as long as possible, which is the most sustainable thing you can do, then being an outlet for people to give us their perfectly good running clothes is it kind of it's like works against that message so yeah we're stopping that side of it and we're just going to campaign for people to make their clothes last longer yeah that that makes sense and is that the same with kind of your relationship with race directors because I know you used to take quite a lot of um t-shirts and stuff from which is one of the biggest biggest wastes isn't it with with unwanted t-shirts yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, we stopped taking t-shirts off race race organisers a while ago. Yeah, because it, it became, yeah, it became such an easy avenue for them to like they create this waste, and then they could they could give it to us. And we even see like on certain um, people's like race organisers websites that um, under their sustainability. Uh, pages oh we donate all our t-shirts to rerun clothing and they're making it out like it's a good thing like it's a it's a sustainable thing I and mean, like it really like it really isn't like you're creating so much waste and then you're just giving us this problem so yeah even a couple of years ago we just wanted yeah we stopped doing that for race organizers we've helped them try and find places for their t-shirts to go but um, until they understand that, that it's waste that they're creating those t-shirts, I, I don't think they'll change. They'll change the way that they, you know, set up and organise their races, and they'll change the kind of um, the practice of giving out free t-shirts. Um, 
Yeah, no, that that makes that makes complete sense. And I know because um, I spoke to Damien last week, and he sort of said that the most important thing that people can do is is to speak out. So is that kind of that's what you're doing now, rather than the kind of practical side of the the upcycling of things? Yeah, yeah, I'm still so. Yeah, I'm, what we're still going to do is we still have, I mean, race t-shirts are, are, are the two biggest streams of waste, I think, in the running industry, uh, from from what our experience from taking all these, these clothes, is, um, is race t-shirts and then also the end-of-life end of life shoes. Yeah. Um, so the end-of-life, there really isn't a solution um, for end-of-life trainers at the moment in, in the UK. Uh, worldwide even there really isn't a solution so those uh, shoes that have have completely gone that aren't that aren't fit enough to be worn you know to be given as kind of emergency clothing to refugees and stuff um, there really is nothing there's just nothing they the two options are landfill or um, they're burnt they're incinerated and some of the power uh, from the burning of those trainers it is taken and that comes under kind of like it's called recycling but it's um, the emissions that come from that um, burning it, it makes it like slightly like minimally like really like point naught point whatever one percent better than actually putting in landfill so what we will do is we've got tons of well not so we've got lots of ton bags of, of trainers and we're so we're we're cutting cutting all the good bits out of them and saving the good soles saving the good uppers and then we're making like kind of new shoes out of them and we're like kind of i'm i'm kind of committed to getting through all of those shoes that we've we've collected and trying to make them into new shoes so that's that's kind of like the next project oh that's awesome yeah i've seen some of the kind of quite 80s vibe recycled shoes on your on your instagram are those are those what you're talking about yeah yeah we call them like rubbish rubbish shoes because they are rubbish yeah that's what they are they're literally taken out of the rubbish bin so yeah so that's i think when when we've made all of those yeah end of life shoes into new shoes and when we found people like to wear those shoes as well i think we feel like yeah we run like we're we're happy like we've always been really anal about like nothing like we've held on to things that like those trainers because we know that there's no solution and we're kind of just Hang, like, hung on to them waiting for there to be a solution but it doesn't look like there's going to be one anytime soon so we try to create create our own basically and do you think sort of like the future because i know that patagonia has just gone through their infrastructural change and do you think that's also part of the future in terms of companies moving to be more tangibly sustainable <laughs> I mean, my my thinking about yeah, like any any company that really wants to be like, so we're talking about clothing companies, uh, yeah. in particular because that's where we that what we were we talk about like the sports apparel industry and footwear industry. Any any company that wants to be truly truly sustainable and really really believes in that 
sustainability, that has a passion to, you know, to make a difference, the, the only one thing they can do is just close their whole company down. Because if you're producing, if you're producing clothes, if you're producing footwear, you you can't do that sustainably. It, yeah. It's just in this society where we live, in this, you know, you can't do that sustainably. So I think. Um, like any any clothing brand, any footwear brand that tells you about their sustainability policies and what they're trying to do, it's all just greenwashing. Because if yeah. you really believe, you just you just close it down. There's too many clothing brands. There's too many like in in this world. We don't need more, and we could do with like loads and loads fewer. So yeah, that. That for me is, uh, is uh, yeah, if you really believe in it, that's what you need to do. Yeah, and I think that's the kind of hard-hitting message, really, that people don't want <laughs> to yeah. hear, but it needs to be said more, absolutely. Yeah, I know. I mean, even um, I, I really love Killian, and Killian's uh, new normal um, yeah. is, is a really, it's a good initiative, you know. He's trying to make a difference, and he's trying to... But, if you really want to make a difference, you don't start a new, yeah. <laughs> like another brand, you know, like, like stay where you are and try and like make that, make that one better or I don't know, but it's just, yeah, we don't need more fashion. We've yeah. got far too much of it and we've got so many piles and piles, hundreds of thousands of tons of, of, of clothes that, we don't need, and they end up. They don't end up in this country. They end up in uh, Africa. They end up in Asia. They end up in South America, and uh, yeah, and they end up in landfill there. You know, um, yeah, just just too much stuff. Thanks for sharing that, Dan. Because as I say, I think that's that is a message that people need to hear and and to see those. Uh, thanks also for I mean posting photos of the stuff that you have at rerun because it is it is shocking the piles and piles of, of, of stuff <laughs> that you get um and I know that we're, we're kind of close for time so I've just got uh, just two more questions um just before we wrap up so what is what's next for you in terms of your plans <laughs> What, in terms of running or in terms of... Um, uh, well, running and life, if you want. <laughs> running and rerun and... <laughs> yeah, so rerun, like I say, I'm going to be making shoes. Uh, I've got, like I say, I've got a big pile of uh, of unwanted and like, ready for landfill shoes to make into, to give new life to. So that's what, that's what I'll be doing, which I'm really looking forward to because it's really, I like the creativity of it. It's really... Yeah, I find it, it it's nice. It's good for the soul. And then, yeah, yeah running wise, yeah, I'm just you know I'm out I'm out every day like always you know finding that finding that peace, finding that space and that stillness. You know, um, I probably won't do anything long until the new year sort of thing. So um, training wise, I think I'll. I'll like uh, what's the word? Not ratchet back, but I'll do more faster stuff. I'll be doing like five k, ten k, half marathon sort sort of stuff there yeah, to get my legs moving. Uh, uh, 
yeah, a bit quicker. And is it going to be track races next year, or are you not sure yet? Uh, I'm, I'm down to run a, the 100-mile track race, one of the Centurion uh, ones. Oh, cool, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I'd like to do over a six-day or a 48-hour, and then maybe the world... Um, 24-hour championships, which are later on in the year. We'll just see. Yeah. Awesome, see what crops up. And my final yeah. question, Dan, is what does joy mean to you? What does it Joy means to me is like, a, uh, it, for me, it's like when everything's clicked. Like I said earlier, like when you sing the same song as the universe, you know? There's no... There's no separation between you and, like, the sky and the trees and the, the animals around, you know, that kind of, I don't know, when you feel, is that even a word? Symbiosis, it's not a word. Yeah, but you know no, what it's, I mean? a word, it's feel, a word, it's a word. Just, is it a word? <laughs> yeah, yeah, living in it a is. symbiotic okay. relationship. Think it's you feel connection, you know, with everything and, and, like, good, yeah, like, wholesome connection with everything around you yeah and that's that's what I yeah that's what running and especially like running in nature that's what I feel so often with with running yeah oh thank you Dan that's a that's such a good place to to end and I'll uh, I'll say goodbye less less formally in a second but thank you so much for sharing this space because you know when you have those conversations and you just feel like you're emerging from them like and so many like neurons in your brain have been sparked and you just feel so much better for it so thank you <laughs> for giving well, thank you well, that's lovely. Me you, that. you picked me up on the end and then you've done it uh, at the start oh. and then, yeah, thank you then, yeah. well you did yeah. no, I've had fun thank you yeah. thanks so much and good luck with everything um over the winter Cheers. we'll see what you're doing see what you're up to next year and everyone I will I will put links to to rerun and rubbish shoes and all the fantastic things that you're doing there as well cheers eh? have a good day thanks dan i'm so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast and if you've enjoyed today's episode i would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support perseverance and joy further If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests, you can find me on Instagram at running underscore on underscore joy. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.